Cutting through an overload of information to get to the heart of the story. This is The Point. Elections for members of grassroots consultative organizations known as district councils were held on Sunday, December the 10th in the Hong Kong SAR. Voters cast their ballot in the 7th District Council ordinary elections for 88 seats in the District Council Geographical Constituency or DCGC and 176 seats in the District Committee Constituency or DCC out of a total of 399 candidates. The these were the first elections after the relevant law was amended this past July to improve district governance. Now, the Hong Kong Special Administrative uh, Government Chief Executive Zhang Li Ka Chiu said on Sunday that the District Council elections is the final piece of jigsaw in fully implementing the principle of patriots governing Hong Kong. But if you read your usual sources of information, you will come across the same old tone that the opposition candidates and their voices were suppressed, leaving voters with little choice. So what exactly were these elections all about? Political power or serving the communities? How were the candidates vetted? Were there nominated candidates who were shut out of the race because of their different political views? Welcome to this special edition of The Point with me, Li Xin, coming to you from Beijing. I'm pleased to be joined from the Hong Kong SAR by Mr. Kam Man Foon, who ran and won in the Tuan Mon District. Ms. Christy Lowe, Assistant Legal Manager at Skywise Group, who ran and lost in the race. We're also pleased to be joined from Hong Kong by Professor Ling Feng, Dean of the School of Law, of the City University of Hong Kong and by Edward Lehman, co-founder and managing partner of the strategic advisory services firm, firm Lehman Bush. Welcome to all of you to The Point. Let me go to Mr. Kam first. Um, congratulations for winning in the district council elections. Tell us a little bit about uh, your feeling at this moment and uh, what do you think um, won the hearts of electors in your district to put you into that seat? Uh, of course, I'm very excited. Yesterday was a very tiring day because originally the election was from 8.30 in the morning to the, uh, 10.30 at the night, but uh, unfortunately there was an accident about the server, so the, the election was extended to the midnight, so mm -hmm. it's totally 15 hours and 30 minutes. It was tight, but after uh, knowing the results of my supporters and of my friends, that we are all very excited and happy. And because I was a district councillor before, that's why this uh, return for, for my district council. So it's uh, really important because in the last four years, the uh, district governance, we have a lot of problems. And I hope that after the, the new proposal about improving the dis, uh, governance of district level, we hope that the, the governance in district level will be improved and all of the district councillors will focus on how to improve in our own community. Ms. Mm. Law, tell us a bit about your sentiments at this moment um, and why do you think voters chose your competitor instead of you for the seat of a council, um, council district council member? Uh, thanks for the questions. Uh, since I'm a newcomer in this uh, uh, in the in this uh, district council elections, and um, for my competitors, they are uh, the district councillors before, and they are running the uh, this campaign in the uh, this time. They have successful in for the election, so maybe there is not 
but it's not many people know about me. So it may be one of my failure to the these elections. Uh, but actually, I'm really thanks for my supporters and appreciate their the volunteers for my words. And uh, it's a great experience to run the campaign. They really helped me to uh, build this uh, campaign. Uh, so maybe I think this is the uh, key matters for that I'm uh, one of the failures. Mm -hmm. But it is a great challenge for me uh, in running this campaign since uh, um, as I just said before, I knew I tried to uh, do something totally different from other uh, competitors. Like I tried to promote the democracy, uphold the justice for the uh, the uh, local citizens in my district. That not Quintown North, um, maybe they just um, know too little about me. So maybe I still need to have do more, much work, mm. serve the communities. Okay. And maybe I have the chance in the next time. Thank you. Mm. Well, let's take a look at the the elections per se, because uh, we talk about elections, elections, but I'm, I'm sure a lot of people are not, not very clear exactly what these district councils are. For instance, uh, as I said, um, Professor Ling, let me go to you. As I said in the leading, voters cast their ballot in this seventh ordinary election, district council ordinary elections for 88 seats in the DCGC and 176 in the DCC elections. And there, there are two other groups which um, are not contested this time. They are the ex officio members and um, there are 176 that are not elected this time. So yesterday we were talking about the 88 and 176. They were directly elected by electors or voters in the different districts. So Professor Ling, exactly what are people voting for? Who are these, these district council members? The district councils in Hong Kong under the basic law are non-political parties, organizations. So they're not political. And their main functions are serve the local uh, welfare or people's interests uh, in different districts. So that, that's their uh, all about. Right. If you take a look at the basic law and if you take a look at Article 97, actually there is very clear stipulation about exactly what district councils are. For instance, uh, the basic law Article 97 says district organizations which are not organs of political power may be established in the Hong Kong Special Administrative Region to be consulted by the government of the region on district administration and other affairs. Um, Edward, let me go to you. What is your understanding of uh, the function of the district councils and the journey this this organ these organizations have been going through because in the la in the past especially in 2019 they were by and large contested as political organizations no absolutely i think you had with summarizing the the law there um, which is exactly right i mean these are these are supposed to be advisory roles and largely to help with very day-to-day uh, -day things, you know, getting, making sure the garbage is picked up, making sure the bus lines are running, making sure that, uh, like under COVID, that uh, packages were distributed among the constituents in that particular district. And these were not meant to be political. And yet you're absolutely correct with regards to the contrast between the 2019 election, uh, where there was about a 71% turnout, 
uh, and this particular election, which is a, is going to be a lower is a lower number turnout for sure, um, for a whole bunch of different reasons, and that was made largely political. Um, as a result, the knock-on effect was uh, the politics played into uh, trying to act in these roles as advisors. Many of these folks that were elected to these positions uh, were unable to or unwilling to complete their their uh, term. And so then there was a, a recalibration. And the other thing I just want to point out is, is that you know these elections have been going on in some way, shape, or form since 1982, since the British allowed it. It's, it's expanded, it's contracted over the years, and it's expanded and contracted here as we see from 2019 to 2023. Um, there's a lot of, since we've got a 24-hour news cycle, a lot of folks are reading probably a lot more into this on the, on the Patriots-only um, sort of, uh, you know, message than they are into this idea of trying to, the exact role, like you were saying, is that they have to be, uh, these are advisors. Largely. Mm -hmm. um, Mr. Kam, let me go back to you. How do you look at the emphasis by the SAR government, including the amended um, District Council election law, which uh, came into effect this past July, emphasizing that the District Councils need to go back to its original stipulated function to serve as non-political consultative organizations instead of the, you know, the power struggle arena it was made into? Yes, I totally agree with this uh, amendment because, you know, um, the district council originally was just an advisory board. We are focusing on the livelihood in the community. We give the uh, opinion and comments and, for example, the transportation, the luxury facility, uh, the medical support in, in the community. And that's our originally uh, designed job. Unfortunately, after um, the different um, change, of the system, it becomes a political platform for the opposing uh, parties. They try to use this platform to do something that is anti-Chinese um, activities. And we totally disagree about this kind of uh, performance. That's why we have the social movements that in during 2019, that people, they try just because they want to win more seats and they have a lot of violence during the years. And we hope that the, um, the amendment and the uh, improving uh, uh, design of the district council will help us, help all the district council to go back and focusing on the community and not the political issues. Mm. Professor Ling, what is your understanding of uh, Mr. John Lee's remarks that this is the last piece of uh, the jigsaw to improve patriots governing Hong Kong or to put into place the principle of patriots governing Hong Kong? Why is that imperative, not just for the selection, for instance, of the SAR chief executive, but also for the district council members? This is actually, if you look at the whole political uh, reform, or the restructuring of the electoral system in Hong Kong. And the main principle behind all the elections is to implement the principle that uh, patriots govern Hong Kong. So the reason I think uh, John Lee has said that is because we've reformed the uh, CE election already, and then the electrical election. Now the last election is uh, the district council election. So the principle, if you look at the candidate selection and to the election, it's very clear that 
those who are against the government, against uh, who are non-patriot, put in that way, and won't be qualified to stand even as candidates uh, for the election. So one of the uh, focus in point is the vetting process that was put into place, that was introduced when the SAR government introduced the amendment bill to the district council elections. Um, they introduced an eligibility reviewing committee, or in other words, a vetting committee, which comprises of seven members, three from um, non-government sector and four, four from the government. And its job it is to consider upon the opinion of uh, the Committee for Safeguarding National Security of Hong Kong as to whether a nominated candidate uh, has, can meet the requirement of being considered patriotic. Um, Professor Lin, how do you look at the importance or the necessity of this step? Some people are saying they are discriminating against opposition candidates. What is your opinion of the necessity and function of such a vetting com committee? These from my reading of the amendment, and uh, the, this committee actually is very important in the sense that this committee actually will rule out those or vet the candidates to see whether they're uh, patriots or not. And if, if they are, then they will be eligible and become candidates. Otherwise, they will be, uh, won't be allowed to become uh, candidates. So this is the actually most crucial uh, element in the restructured electoral system. Um, Ms. Law, Christy Law, um, how do you look at such a vetting committee? Um, what kind of criteria, for instance, were you aware of that uh, the vetting committee is working to decide people like you or Mr. Kam whether you are patriotic or not? And do you think it was important that only patriotic people should be allowed to run? Yes, I think that this entry requirement is quite important, uh, especially if you are not the patriotic, how can you uh, run the election and how you serve the community community to have a, a better uh, to have a better community for Hong Kong. So I agree with the uh, entry requirements. And for those, uh, maybe the government should have a better control and maybe have a, should have a better uh, Maybe the citizens, local citizens, should have more participation. Let them know more about the uh, venture environments. We could have a better synergy effect for those who are trying to enter for the running the election in the future. Miss mm -hmm. Law, let me continue with you. When you were submitting your nomination, when you were running your campaign, were you clearly aware of the kind of criteria or standards about being a patriot? Uh, yes, I um, know it quite clearly, but maybe there are some value points what we need to know more about it, especially there is a quite a lot of documentation or paperwork we need to read, mm. we need to fulfill the requirements. Actually, when I run in this uh, campaign, quite a lot of people ask me, how can you get the uh, entry requirement? How can you pass the entry requirement? Actually, I. I'm really thanks to my those supporters and my volunteers. Actually, I have uh, asked the friends to help me to ask the uh, communities uh, to help me to get the voting, mm -hmm. to get the voting rights. So uh, I think uh, it is a 
requirements for those people to run the election. And once they are being re-elected, they can have a better uh, heart to serve the community. Mm. Um, let me go to Mr. Kam for your observation, because we are seeing in some reports from, for instance, Al Jazeera, which says under the revised electoral system announced in May, just 88 out of the 470 seats will be directly elected. That obviously is untrue. Uh, it says candidates must be approved by government appointed committees. And then more than 70% of the candidates for directly elected seats are themselves members of the vetting committees. Um, Mr. Kam, according to your understanding, is that statement accurate? Um, I don't really think so. Of course, we have the, we call it the three committees. Actually, they are the uh, flight crime committees, the fire safety committee, and also the area committees. They, we call them the three committees. They are those people who are familiar with the community issue. Maybe they are the representative of NGOs in the local com community. They are long-serving people who know very well to the communities. Also, they are, they are maybe the school representatives from the community. And they help us to help to nominate those people that they think who are suitable for the community service in the, in, in, in the um, district council. That's the first thing. And of course, we need people from diff, uh, they use different channels to enter the district council because every channel they are representing different people. For example, you have mentioned that those ethnic peoples, they are from the uh, geographical constituents. They are directly elected by the, the voters in the community. But also, we have those people from the district com commu committee uh, constituency. They are elected by those people really familiar with the district council, which means we have a um, district councillor with different expertise. Uh, and they have different kind of experience, which will uh, which will enrich the the opinions and ideas who will uh, give to the government, which will help the government to have uh, give a better governance in the community. Which this is the most important um, uh, restructure and the reason that we need uh, to give in the future district um, governance. Um, another very um, notable point that was highlighted in The Guardian, for instance, which um, points out that the Democratic Party, Hong Kong's biggest opposition party, failed to secure nominations for any of its candidates, while centrists and even pro-establishment moder moderates have complained of being shut out by the new rules. Mr. Lehman, let me go to you, because from my understanding and from my investigation, Actually, none of the nominated candidates were screened out in the vetting process because they because of their different political views. They they simply approved if the security committee has approved the profile of a certain nomination. So, um, can we use the fact that none of the um, Democratic Party members? Uh, ran in the election or got nominated in the election to say that the election were discriminating against them because of their political views? Yeah, I mean, that's uh, there are publications like The Guardian that tend to focus on these very vague generalities. I think you hit it on the head, which is saying that 
you know, have all, each of these candidates gone through the vetting process? Did they make it through the vetting process? Um, the other thing that to, to keep in mind, and again, as a Westerner who's been living in China for a long time, is that what they've done here is it's it's kind of a consensus situation with this uh, with the the three committees that are participating with selecting candidates, and that's not terribly unusual in Asia. It's not it's not been unusual in the past. Um, you know, one has to be able to meet the criteria. There's been all sorts of criticism in the West and, and, and with the Electoral College, with uh, with what it takes to be on the 50 states for the ballots um, and what kind of criteria, you know, it, it, it takes to get on in anywhere. So I, I don't think that, I think the Western media has been a little bit fast and loose with regards to who is participating. I think that a lot of folks did not participate because the rules had changed. I think that, and then they turn around and they explain that they were excluded from the system. I think of many that did not participate in the system. Hmm. Making room for all opinions and seeing events from more than one side. This is The Point. Um, Mr. Khan, maybe for your understanding, what have been the threshold for, your, uh, for you to be nominated and uh, qualified as a candidate? Yeah, actually, as uh, also I'm a chairman of the fire, um, fire safety committee in my community. Actually, we have to meet and to know different uh, nominator by ourselves. Even the government, they, they won't give us their, their, their uh, contact way. We have to know them, we have to participate in the community and gain their trust and let them have more confidence to us so that they will nominate us to the election. And they think we are suitable and eligible for as a, a district councillor. So it's a long-term service. It's not just because I am from what party and then they will give us the nomination. This is not true. We have to work in the community and gain their trust and gain their confidence to us. Do you think, though, could the vetting process, which has, which is something new um, because of the amendment to the law this past July, could the vetting process have deterred some moderate opposition candidates from participating, Mr. Kam? Yes, if they are not working in the community, if they just have some, okay, I have some political point of view, and please support me as the district councillor in the future. I don't think that those... Uh, those committee members from the, the vetting uh, committee, they will give the nomination easily. They need to know why I should give you the nomination. It's not just because you are uh, maybe a political star, maybe you, have, you are from such a political, uh, political party. As from the original, um, DC, District Council, is an uh, advisory board for the community, for the livelihood in the local community. That's why they should show their ability, their heart to the community mm. and your ability to serve the community. Mm. Then you can get the nomination. Ms. Law, do you think the voters or the electors were supportive of the efforts to return the district council back to its original function, which are non-political consultative organization in the process of your campaigning, in the process of uh, casting the ballot? Do you think the voters fully understood and identified with this purpose? I think the voters, they try to understand uh, every candidate for their uh, 
advertisements or their propaganda. Uh, they, if those candidates, uh, they uh, have served the community, just like my competitors, they have served the communities uh, in a long time. Uh, 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 citizens or the voters may know this one, but for me, maybe I knew they didn't know much information about me. So maybe they have a lack of information in here. Mm. So maybe uh, I think for the uh, DC, the advisory for this elections, uh, people should, will will select the people who will serve their community. Mm. They may have a, a bright eyes for selections. Yeah. Professor Lin, what is your observation of uh, the support of the voters this time? Do you think they have uh, uh, come on board with the change of um, the function, return to its original function of the, of the district uh, councils? And what do you think are some of the biggest or the biggest reason behind the relatively low turnout this time? The low turnout, I think there are a couple of reasons. One is that now if you look at the numbers of uh, candidates for each district is smaller than before. And therefore, those, the familiarity of the candidates to the voters are different. And the other reason is political mobilization. And because now it's, we are going, the reformed or restructured electoral system is going back to the non-political uh, consultative role. Uh, the people previously supported the uh, pan-democrats. Now, when they uh, don't see their candidates there, they will say, oh, maybe we are not going mm. to vote. Mm. Mr. Lehman, uh, do you agree with these reasons behind the turnover and uh, for the people who, who identify with the so-called pro-democrats, um, how long will it take for them to understand or to uh, support the new uh, the you know the new elections after the uh, the improvements. Yeah, I mean, I think that it all boils down to what Tip O'Neill said: is all politics is local. I understand that this is governed by you know the national security law, Article Thirty Five. I understand that they that everything has to be safe, elections have to be safe. But I think that the voters and the the recipients of 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 the services that are going to be done by the elected officials is going to largely come down to whether their garbage is picked up or the lights are left on. You know, these they want those those local advisory and those local functions performed. If they're getting performed, then they're happy. If they're not getting performed, they're not happy. I think that the, the 2019 election became this huge distraction about everything being political rather than service to the people and service to the community, the communities to which they serve. And so there was a lot of time spent uh, in debate about a bunch of stuff mm -hmm. that wasn't serving that local community. Right. So I think it, eventually they'll come around. Yeah, we have to leave it there. I ran out of time, but many thanks to Mr. Kamam Foon, Ms. Christy Lowe, Professor Ling Feng, and Edward Lehman for sharing with us your emotions and insights. And with that, we come to the end of this special edition of The Point with me, Lushin. Thank you for joining. As usual, you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter using the handle Lushin in Beijing. You've got the point.